Good morning. Man, it is good to see you all um, this morning. Uh, my name is Kondo. For those of you I've not had the chance to meet, I get to serve as a pastor here at Mission Point Community Church. And right now I'm a little bit nervous because there is a significant drop that's not always here. So um, I'm going to try not to get too excited, but no promises made. Uh, you might just be more entertained than you bargained for. But um, this morning we are wrapping up a four-week conversation that we have called From the Heart. Um, from the heart. And um, in this series, we've spent some time just talking together uh, about some of the things that have been sitting heavy on our hearts. And heavy is not a bad thing. It's just some of the things that we've been processing, some of the things we've been hearing from you, uh, some of the things our staff has been praying through, some of the stuff our elders um, have been talking about. And uh, if you've missed any of it, I'd encourage you uh, to go back and catch up on our YouTube channel or a variety of our other um, outlets. But this morning, we want to wrap this conversation by continuing a conversation we started um, about this time last year. We started a conversation about the Holy Spirit. And uh, what we were asking in that conversation is what might it look like for us as a church, for us as people who follow Jesus Christ, to more intentionally Seek the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And um, I don't think we had much of an idea what we were fooling with because we have not recovered from that quite yet. Many of you started to more intentionally run after the Spirit and more intentionally open the doors and invite him into the spaces of your everyday life. And he accepted the invitation, which he always does. And some amazing things have started to happen. And some amazing stories have started to be told. And um, this morning, we, we, we want to continue um, that conversation. Because we as a church started to ask collectively, what does it look like for us to create and to carve out more space uh, for the person of the Holy Spirit to have his way with us, to have his way in us, to have his way um, among us. And um, so... This morning, we, we, we want to continue that conversation. I'm going to take some time to, to, to kind of review some of the basics, some of what we talked about uh, last summer, and then to just ask the question, what does it look like for us to continue in this journey moving forward? So again, just want to take some time and catch you up for maybe some of you who are not there. Um, and for all of us, refreshers are always good. So we just want to talk about some of the basics about the Holy Spirit that we know in Scripture. And if you've been around the church for long enough, you know that the topic and conversation around the Holy Spirit tends to be tense and controversial and even divisive. But some of the things I want to share with you are some of the basics that most people in the church um, globally tend to agree with. Just some basics. Um, so let's do that. We'll just start by talking through some basics, and then um, we'll continue the conversation and exploring what's next. What does it look like for us to continue in this um, journey? So um, about the person of the Holy Spirit, about his person, um, we saw last summer as we started this conversation that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He's the third person of 
the Trinity, meaning the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, the Father is God. Jesus, the Son, is God. And the Holy Spirit himself is God. Um, John chapter 14, verse 16, as Jesus is promising the coming of the Holy Spirit, this is what he says. Uh, we'll have this up on the screen, uh, by the way, for you to follow along. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, key phrase. He'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit of truth. And that phrase, another advocate, the language Jesus is using is another just like me. He's equating himself to this other. Don't worry, I'm leaving, but another like me is going to come and journey with you. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Um, and the Holy Spirit is a person because God is a person. So much more than that, but he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a him. Um, we talked about this um, last summer. The Holy Spirit is a him. He's not a thing. Um, he's not an it. Um, he's not a force. He's a person. He's uh, him. He has feelings. He has thoughts. He has desires. He can be hurt, and he often is, as the Bible will, will tell us. Um, look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. You cannot grieve a thing. This is, again, speaking to the fact that he, the Holy Spirit, is a person. And that's key. That's really key. Simple as it sounds, it's key. Because if the Holy Spirit is a person, that means that he can be known. In fact, he longs to be no. If he is a person, it means we can speak to him. We can engage him. We can ask things of him. But if he's an it, and if we view him as an it, it that might even start to explain why in, in the church oftentimes he's kind of neglected. He's relegated to a certain corner. Um, and can often be treated as a thing that shows up on occasion when something, lights need to be turned on, a power is required. But he is a, a person. He is a him. So I'd encourage you, even just in your daily interaction, when you speak about the Holy Spirit, it didn't show up at church. He came. In fact, he was already here. You showed up. Um, but the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, we talked about his purpose. And we saw that the Holy Spirit has a primary agenda, not an exclusive agenda. It's dangerous to try and say all that the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do, as we'll see here in a second. But it seems from Jesus' words that the Holy Spirit does have a primary agenda. And that agenda is to help us to love Jesus, to help us look like Jesus, and to help us live for Jesus. If you want to love Jesus, if you want to look like Jesus, if you want to live for Jesus, then the Holy Spirit and you have the same um, 
agenda. John chapter 16, verse 12. Look again here at the screen at what it says. This is Jesus speaking. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, not it, he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Verse 14, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus, because it is from me, Jesus, that he, the Holy Spirit, will receive what he will make known to you. He will reveal me and what I long for and desire to you. The Holy Spirit's key role is to shine a spotlight on Jesus, to help us to see Jesus, to help us love Jesus, to help us look like Jesus, to help us live for the person of Jesus, to point and propel people towards Jesus. And so he is the comforter, and, and he is the teacher, and he leads us, and he convicts us, and he gives us gifts, and those gifts are intended to help point us towards the person of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, in case you weren't aware, is really into Jesus. Which means a person or a church that is growing to seek and see the Holy Spirit is a person or a church that's growing to love Jesus. It's a church that's growing to look like Jesus. And it's a church that's growing to live like Jesus. It's a place where the love for Jesus and the love of Jesus becomes richly experienced. Which, by the way, is why when Paul later on speaks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he says, listen, you might speak in the tongues of men and angels, but if you don't have the love of Jesus or the love for Jesus, it's just noise. But the Holy Spirit loves to point to the person of Jesus Christ. We cannot truly love Jesus apart from the work of the Spirit. We cannot truly look like him and be like him. We cannot truly live the mission of showing and sharing what Jesus is like in our world apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. We can try and we can put on programs and, and we can you know, put together these really elaborate strategies but apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, it's a non-starter. And we will wonder why we continue to maybe potentially see numerical growth, but not transformational growth. Jesus wasn't accidentally saying in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, hey, wait in Jerusalem. Before this church thing starts, before you go out and launch into the mission, wait in Jerusalem. Wait for what? Wait for the Holy Spirit to come, because when he comes, then you will be my witnesses. Then you will be launched out into mission. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you're a very cute gathering hiding in a room somewhere. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit to empower us to see Jesus, to live like Jesus, to look like Jesus. That's key for us to embrace, by the way. And I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about it much this week, but when you hear us talk about we long for the Spirit to do this, that, and the other, it's not just so we can say, man, the Holy Spirit this or the Holy Spirit that, because the Holy Spirit would say, great, I actually want you to look at Jesus and live for Jesus and be like Jesus. 
uh, we talked a little bit about our posture, um, our posture or our position as a church when it comes to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I shared some things that I personally believe by matter of personal conviction um, and things that, you know, not necessarily everybody on the leadership team might believe, but there's some things that we would all agree on. And um, I love that, again, being part of a church where we can disagree about certain things, but we agree about who Jesus is and centrality of what he is calling us to. But um, in essence, what we said and would say as a church when it comes to the person and work of the Holy Spirit is, is this, that our posture towards the Holy Spirit is one of active openness. One of active openness. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way in us. Have your way around us. Have your way through us. Have your way among us. We want all that you are. We want all that you have to do in our midst. We want to see all that you want to show us. We want to give up everything that you came to claim. We want our posture to be one of active openness, inviting him. Come on, have your way. Our hearts are open. Our arms are open. Our doors are open. Do what you long to do without exception, without disclaimer. We don't want the Holy Spirit to be an afterthought in our lives. We want him to have his way. And, and if openness, church, is not our posture, then how can we expect him to move in the ways that transform us personally and revive our county and our community. We don't have what it takes for that. Uh, we don't have enough brilliance or strategies to bring about the agenda of God's kingdom in our own lives and in the world around us. That's the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of the living God. Have your way among us. If we're indifferent or if we're closed off or he's an it or a thing, um, if he is incidental and the purposes of Jesus will stall, we will never see Jesus as we ought. We'll never love Jesus as we ought. We'll never look like Jesus as we ought and we'll never live for him as we ought. And so we want our posture to be active, open. Come Holy Spirit, make us like him, help us to see him and launch us out to live more fully for him. Um, as we had this conversation, we talked um, pretty particularly um, about the area of spiritual gifts. And um, one of the reasons we did that is because, man, when it comes to a conversation about the Holy Spirit, the church tends to be really friendly and we hold hands, kumbaya, until we start to talk about the area of spiritual gifts. And then things become really tense. And then, you know, people stop talking. And then we divide. And then people leave. And then churches get, you know, split um, over this, which is really, really sad. Um, that that is one of the things that has divided us as a church. But it's it's often times, you know, you know, we have conversations and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit as our guide or as our teacher, or the Holy Spirit convicts, and there's generally agreement about that. But when it comes to um, the gifts, um, particularly the sign or supernatural gifts. Um, 
that's when we tend to split. And that's when I think we tend to get nervous. And that's when I think the church actually at times becomes prone to close him off. And to say, you can move over here in this way and teach and convict and all of that. But, ooh, the signs, supernatural, miraculous gifts? Mm, not sure about that. And so we hold those off at bay. The problem is he is a person. You cannot section off half a person. You cannot section off a fraction of the person. Say, bring the power and bring the teaching and bring the conviction, but leave those things out because they're too scary or too divisive. Um, when we say we are open to the Holy Spirit, we mean we are open to all the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and His work. So let me read some passages that, um, you know, uh, will help give a sense of some of what I mean by this. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 6 um, this is speaking about gifts. And you're going to notice, this is so interesting, uh, but Paul says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. By the way, we could stop right there and have a seven-week conversation about how we will say, no, 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 serving. Okay, I'm good with serving. Prophesying, mm-mm. Can we draw a line somewhere in there where we embrace one but not the other? And I love that Paul gives us this passage of Scripture in which he puts them right next to each other. If it's prophesying, prophesy. If it's serving, serve. Um, if it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit, Holy Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He, the Holy Spirit, distributes them to each one just as He determines. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, So follow the way of love, because that's who Jesus is and that's what Jesus is about. And eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. By the way, let me pause and say really quickly, when we forget that the Holy Spirit loves to shine a spotlight on Jesus, the gifts can become super divisive. It's because we've forgotten that these gifts are actually ways in which we are helping each other see Jesus. We are helping each other love Jesus. We're helping each other live for Jesus. And so when the debate becomes, well, no, you can't help somebody live for Jesus that way, this way perhaps. But we want, and the reason I read these passages is I want to share that we want our posture to be one of active openness um, to all of the things that the Bible says here about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. And this is not even an exhaustive list. But we want to be open to all of that. And we want a posture not just of openness, but of active openness. And by active openness, I mean eagerness. 
he says in verse, chapter 14, verse 1, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 14, verse 1, eagerly desire the Spirit and His gifts. Eagerly desire them. Not casually. We want to be eagerly open to what the Spirit wants to do, which is a great time to talk about His prerogative. Great time to talk about His prerogative. Because being open to the Holy Spirit means surrendering to His prerogative. That is huge. You saw that in um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, where it says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He, the Holy Spirit, distributes them to each one just as He determines. That is such a powerful statement of the Holy Spirit's prerogative. And for so long, I'm not going to lie to you, for so long I've tried to dissect and I've tried to decide and I've tried to dictate what the Spirit can and cannot do. And then you read this verse and it says, no, 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 He distributes, He gives them to each one as He determines. He determines who gets what gift and He determines who gets what experience. That's up to Him. Now, we should eagerly ask, can I have that gift? Because that one, I really long for that gift. Can I please have that gift? But at the end of the day, our posture ought to be one of surrender, realizing the Holy Spirit will decide what you get. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. It's up to the Holy Spirit. He determines it so that we can help each other live more fully for Jesus, so we can live more fully for Jesus. He gives us, he determines. It's not what a season of church history determines. It's not what you're comfortable with that determines what the Holy Spirit gives. It's not what your church used to be like that determines what the Holy Spirit gives. He reserves the prerogative to give the gifts that he wants. And we want our posture of surrender, active openness, saying, have your way. We don't want to be the ones attempting to determine who you give what gift to. That also means, by the way, the Holy Spirit moves as he determines. We must beg him to move. We must quickly tell him, we cannot hope to see the things we long for unless you move. We long for you to move. But like the wind, we have to surrender to his prerogative. He will move how he wants to move, when he wants to move. That's really important. He moves when he wants. And if we don't embrace that, we're going to start to try and force the movement of the Holy Spirit. We're going to start to try and manipulate the move of the Holy Spirit. If we don't embrace that, we're going to start to try and fabricate the move of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start to say, the Holy Spirit, we want for you to move this way, this week, during this time in our service, in this particular way, in my life. And do it this way, please, because this reminds me of the Holy Spirit says, it's my prerogative. You either embrace who I am and my freedom to move as I determine, or... I fear we risk grieving, grieving him. He gets to decide, and we want our posture to be surrendered to that and open to that, and of course, with the Scriptures as our foundation. The Holy Spirit is not going to go against the book that he breathed and inspired. But we don't want to fabricate. And if we do, we're going to start to get very disappointed with his decisions. Oh, that's not how we hoped you would move. 
Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. When we said move, we hoped, <laughs> we hoped that it would be this really glorious and fun, glamorous way in which you would move. Or we hoped that when you moved, it would be these kinds of gifts, but not those kinds of gifts. And we hoped you would move at this time, not this time. And we'll find ourselves um, disappointed or missing it entirely because we expected him to show up here, here, not here, versus an active openness and a surrender to his prerogative, um, which is what makes me super excited about being part of um, Mission Point in this, in this season, um, because I do, I want to talk about, about the point, and by the point I mean Mission Point, and um, you were crazy if you thought that after all that work I'd abandon my corny alliteration. Now, you better ask somebody. Um, but no, I mean, and when I talk about the point, my, my point is the Spirit is at work in and among the people of this church. And I know it's not just limited to this church, but I happen to be talking to the people in this church. It's been thrilling, and it's been exciting, and it's been scary, and it's been unsettling to um, control freaks such as myself. But I know that even after last summer and some of the series that some of you dared to start seeking the Holy Spirit and surrendering to the Holy Spirit's prerogative and agenda, and he's been messing up your life gloriously. For me personally, not a week goes by that somebody doesn't come and share with me something inexplicable that the Holy Spirit did in their heart or in their home or in their life, whether it's a text or whether they send an email or whether they ambush me between services and start to talk about this is what the Lord is doing and this is what the Spirit is stirring, things that we cannot explain. Some things that are just, you know, man, I mean, healing that's happened in this room, that we can't fabricate that. Uh, we can't conjure it up. Or whether something as a parent whose child got saved, you know, and uh, they will share stories about the way the Spirit stirred them to do things in a particular way. It's just been amazing to hear uh, the rumblings, the fresh rumblings as more of us kind of take this posture of active openness and eagerly desire all of Him. And I just want to say we're thrilled, but we're not satisfied. You know, we want the Spirit to continue to move and, and have His way in us and have His way um, through us. And, and please know, I, that scares me because I know how messy that is and, and how unpredictable that can be because He reserves the right. Um, now, um, we also know that the Spirit is a spirit of order. We're not saying he's going to disregard order. And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. That's one of the things as elders we've been exploring together. What does it look like for us to be actively open even in a congregational context like this? And we know that the Bible gives very clear outlines for order. But we want to be sure that we are at least creating the avenues um, for the Spirit to have his freedom to to move. We don't want to be closing portals and closing doors, but we also realize he has given certain um, protocol for how that ought to, um, for that, how, how that ought to, to play out. And then, of course, um, a few weeks ago, um, 
things just kind of broke out of the private context and poured into this very room in a, in a pretty dramatic way. And, and some of you remember that Sunday. You know, I was wrapping up, um, speaking up here um, about the power of words. And my right periphery, I could see a gentleman making his way down, but he wouldn't sit down. He just continued to come to the front. And I knew something was up. So I went and talked to him to try and get a sense of what was going on. Clearly, the spirit was stirring. And so we made room in the context of the service um, for John Metz to share what the Lord had been laying on his, on his heart. And I know that it was stirring for me. Um, what he had to say. I also know that it was unsettling for many of us and unsettling for John to do um, something that major introverts do not particularly appreciate or enjoy doing. But it was. I mean, and some of you were like, the best service ever. And others of you were like, I'm, I was ready to tackle him, you know, and I wasn't sure what was going on. And it was just this really messy moment um, in which those response to what you know, what the Spirit was doing. By the way, let me say really quickly, I want you to know that we take such great steps to make sure that this is a safe facility. And I want you to know, we don't often talk about that, uh, but we have security and security protocols in place. Uh, there are, you know, officers around the building uh, and sometimes in this room, I'm not going to point them out just so you do something ridiculous and I can see just how trained they are, you know, but it's good for you to know that there's no clumsiness or carelessness. We want to make sure that we continue to grow even in our, um, in our security. But in that particular instance, it was clear to me something was happening and we made some, some room and some, some space for, um, for it. And we want to continue um, to do that, to make room for all that the Spirit of God has. Um, I want to say something, and then we'll transition for the last part of um, our time together. As controversial as the matter of the gifts of the Spirit are, it's not the gifts of the Spirit we're after. It's the Spirit himself, because it's Jesus we're after. And as we open it to the Holy Spirit, oftentimes we can think he's going to do inexplicable things and show up in these great, profound, powerful, you know, moments and, and give us these incredible gifts. Maybe, or maybe what he'll do is break your bitterness. Or maybe what he'll do is awaken you from a slumber. Or maybe what he'll do is compel you to say sorry to your children. Or maybe what he'll do is call you back to certain places of family or friendship. When the Spirit comes, he does as he determines. And it's just this holistic thing in which he is moving in all of our lives to make us more like Jesus. And sometimes that's through the gifts and sometimes that's through a variety of other means. And as I was thinking about this, and Lord, what does it look like for us to continue to take steps to surrender and to invite um, the Holy Spirit? I thought, you know what? I'm keen to actually hear from John himself. Like, what happened on that day? And what was the stirring? And what was happening behind the scenes? And so, 
a miracle of miracles convinced one of the most introverted people I know to come out and um, share with us. John, why don't you come on out, and we're going to have just a quick um, conversation up here. Um, by the way, the first time John approached, he approached from down here. Now he's, he's coming from back here. But do you want to grab this stool? It was interesting. Somebody said, um, was that staged? You know, <laughs> and I laughed hysterically. I'm like, have you ever known me to stop talking? So no, no, that was, that was clearly not staged. This, however, is a little more planned and yet organic. I have no idea what the Spirit may do or say, um, like the bright lights up here, John. Um, but this is John Metz, everyone. If Give him some love. It's not necessarily an easy thing to, um, to sit up here. But John, man, let's chat. Yeah, well, first couple things, right? It is blinding, but it is a completely different perspective to be up here <laughs> rather than back there. Um, so thank you for all that you do and the risk you're willing to take Man. to allow something like this to happen. Um, yeah, so thank you. Man, John, and privilege to be having this conversation. Um, just quick highlight about you, where you're from, um, family, for people to get some sense um, of who you are. Sure. Um, so, man, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about where I'm from is my family, obviously, my parents. Um, great parents. Um, I'm one of eight children, um, four brothers, three sisters, third oldest. Um, one of the unique things about that is, and one of the things I appreciate about what's been happening here is that my dad was adopted and uh, mm. ended up having eight children. Mm. Um, so that's, that's pretty special. Um, so I grew up in Napanee, about a half hour from here. Um, Amish town, Amish country. Uh, good times with brothers and sisters there. Uh, a lot of memories. No longer there, um, obviously. Uh, went to Grace College. I didn't know much about Grace. Um, came on a tennis scholarship. Um, I know I don't look like it, but I am a tennis player, at least kind of, sort of. Um, John, by the way, taught me how to play tennis. So I did not know how to play tennis until he instructed me very, very patiently. But yeah, came to Grace. Came to Grace, uh, met my wife, fell in love, um, and uh, got married, and uh, moved to Ohio for a few years, and then came back a few years ago. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Yeah. Um, so your parents had eight kids. Are you guys working towards, you know, I am trying saved? to convince my wife. I don't think she's, she's up for <laughs> any more, but we have four. Um, they're pretty special kids. Mm. Eden, Silas, Maisie, and Jovi. Man. Yeah. Um, John, so man, jumping right to that, that morning when you obviously made the trek from upstairs, I believe, and, and walked down here. And I realized so much goes into making a, a decision like that. Not an easy decision. First time anyone has done anything that crazy. I tease you every now and then that you scared the children, you know, on, on, that, on that day. But um, yeah, what was, and, and we can peel back some of the story, but what was the feeling the moment you said, I've got to stand and go down? Yeah. What was the physical or spiritual experience? That is a great question. So obviously when I came that Sunday morning, I didn't intend on 
coming up here and walking up here and saying some of the things that I said. So when I was sitting there, just some of the things the Lord had been doing in me and some of the things that he'd been laying on my heart, um, I, there was, there was a, such a, a burden or a burning, it was almost like a burning sensation within mm. me um, to, to um, allow what he put in me to come out of me. Mm. Um, so mm. it was, you know, so I, I, I can't do my best attempt to do, do something like that. Um. I'll, I'll be keen to know the process through which you felt the Lord put what he did, you know, within you. But curious to know, was that the first time you felt a stirring like that? Why didn't you just ignore it? <laughs> um, man, I think I've ignored it for too long. Hmm. Um, for too long, I've kept silent too long I haven't stepped out and, and um, allowed him to work in and through me the things that he's, he's put in me. Um, and it, it's not something that, you know, that just came overnight. It's something mm. that it had been stirring uh, for a while. Talk, talk about that a little bit, um, because again, I think we tend to see even in the scriptures, I think we tend to see the big moments when Jesus shows up or the big moments when Elijah's on a mountain or the moment when somebody walks down and says something in front of a, um, in front of a, a congregation. But there was obviously a journey leading up to that place. What landmarks for you stand out to you, kind of leading you to... Um, yeah, the place where you were willing to speak what he had placed in you. Um, so, towards the end of last year, um, he started to lay on me and or impress on me um, that there needs to be more voices. Um, more voices is kind of what I heard, what I impressed, and I started to ask questions. I'm a very curious person. And, and so I started to seek and ask and this try to pursue what what does this mean and my inclination was automatically to go to something uh, to a place like this mm. you know to where people gather and and we call this church um but i felt like it was much more than that um and he was convicting me personally of the the silence that i've had for so long in multiple places one of them being my own home mm. um you know i'm a father of four and um we work i work a lot mm. You know, and I come home, and oftentimes I'm so tired. Um, you know, I don't spend the time and energy that it takes to help with the kids, to speak to the kids. And for a long time, my wife has felt that burden. Mm. Um, and she's done it happily. Um, but we're still trying to figure out. It's still in process. Mm. Uh, but my voice, um, I need to speak up more in our home with our kids. Uh, but not only there, um, at work um, as well, the places that I go, the people that I see, looking for those opportunities. So that will sum up for you this burden of what does it look like? And when you say um, your voice, do you just mean your voice as a dad, your voice as a man? Do you believe, no, the Lord puts specific things in you to speak over your kids and you 
want to say those more? Do you mean that just in, in a general sense? That's a great question. I think it's more of the latter there, where, mm. where you know, he wants to do things in and through me to our, for our children. Mm. Like there's some things that they will only be able to get from me, but I'm, but I'm uh, mirroring him, mm. right? And if I don't mirror him well, if I don't allow him to work in and through me, then, then uh, you know, it's, it's just a, it becomes a hard thing. When you got up here, you talked about a number of different things. And to me, I think one of the things that struck me most deeply was this um, thought about repentance going back to the things and the places where you, um, where you broke or wounded or fractured. or That, that carried a lot of, um, you know, a lot of weight with, um, with me, um, and it was really interesting that your journey, obviously, you shared places where the Lord had, you know, healed, or cynicism is another thing that you said. I mean, you pounded this stage a few times, you know, and you talked about even just the idea of, of mocking, and I think one of the things that struck me about that was when I think about the Spirit working in me, I think more about you coming down and saying something to everybody. And I think less about the things you share that he was doing in you leading up to. What were some of those key things? I know we've talked about whether it's, yeah, yeah the way the Spirit showed up and started to break or bring you to this place. Yeah, so I got into this more in the first service, so as we, as we go through this, sorry, I'm still getting my feet underneath me here, so please bear with me. Um, there's a longer version probably to this from the first service if you want to go and watch it, but let me kind of give you some snapshots um, of some of the things he was doing in and through me. Um, obviously, the, there's the voice piece, right? That there's, there needs to be more voices, but one of the things that, that happened um, last year, it was very distinct for me, was he started to change um, my perception um, of repentance. Um, you know, there's this idea that <clears throat> repentance, what we think it is, bear with me here as I try to work my way through this. So oftentimes we talk about repentance as a turning around where you're walking towards something you shouldn't be walking to, and then it's a turning around, changing your mind, and going back the other way, like going away from the things, right? And, and the, the word in Greek that has been translated in Greek is metanoia. So it's this idea that you're walking towards something you shouldn't be walking to, you turn around and you go back, right? Um, and there's, in there, we've taught about confession and admission. You know, we, we confess we're going the wrong way, we admit it, but then we kind of just kind of stopped there. And so I was listening to a rabbi. Everybody should have a good rabbi in their life. <laughs> that might sound crazy, right? But perspective. How do you get perspective? Um, I was listening to a rabbi, and he was talking about um, the, the Hebrew word for repentance. And the Hebrew word is teshuva. And teshuva, <laughs> you know, when you talk about languages... And I don't know much about languages. I'm an amateur on languages, for sure. Um, but teshuva carries a little bit more weight. So uh, teshuva means that 
you're walking towards a place and you realize you shouldn't be going this way. And then you return and you return back to the place where you came from. You return mm. back to him. Mm. Return back to him. Mm. And there's this idea that we have to return back to him and return back to the, the, the places that, that were broken, that we mm. broke. Um, and we see this in the New Testament with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said, if I have, um, if I have stolen from someone, I will repay them four times. Why did he say that? Because he, I think he understood the idea of teshuva, that you, re, you return back to the place that you broke and you repair it as best as possible. Um, you also see that with, with Jesus when he said, you know, if you have something against your brother, go to him. Work it out. Then come to me. Um, and some of those meanings when we talk about repentance, I've, I feel like I've kind of been lost in the circles that I've, that I've run in. Um, so that was, that was part of it when I was coming up here. That was part of me returning to the place, the very place that I had, that I had become cynical, that I had mocked. Uh, the very place that I had criticized mm. to come here and, and re- do re- repair, mm. you know, and ask for forgiveness. Man. Amen. I think that strikes me so significantly, again, because when we talk about we want to be open to the Spirit, I think we think about these glamorous manifestations, and we don't think about these, you know, these places where he's, no, he's working on what does it look like for me to be a dad and a voice in my home? What does it look like for me to return to the places I've broken? I, I want these breakout, you know, um, you know, manifestations. And so that to me, I think, was just particularly, um, particularly um, humbling. Um, and we, I know when we got together after the fact, you were sharing a number of things. Another thing that I think struck out, struck me, I don't know with a beard if you could be my rabbi. I don't know how it, how it works. But, but no, the, you talked about just the issue of offense. And that struck me severely. Because I think, John, most people in the church would say we want to be open to the Holy Spirit. But you shared something about, but yet, we are so easily offended, and that, I, I don't know if you just want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I, I might use this. Is, this, is that okay? Man. I did not use this the first service. Again, we're kind of working through this. Um, but offense, so, so one of the things that, that I started to pursue this year, it's, and I can't get away from this story, and it's the story of Jesus returning home to Nazareth. Um, so he comes back, and he has his disciples with him. And the, the people that knew him growing up were like, what? What happened? Mm. Who is this guy? Who has, where did he get this wisdom? Where did he get this wisdom that he has? And I started pondering that and asking, where does this, where did Jesus, from the time that we knew he was 12 in the synagogue and asking questions and teaching even at the age of 12 to the time he's now roughly 30, mm-hmm. coming back home, what does that look like? And the things that, some of the impressions that I got in thinking through this was that I don't think Jesus took any shortcuts. Mm. Um, I don't think he got any type of um, spiritual downloads. I think he had to work through it. I think he had to study. I think he had to practice. I think he had to teach. The, like, I think he had to work through things just like we have to work through things. 
so that's the first piece of it, right? The first piece of it. Um, the other piece of it is the people that grew up with him that knew him at a young age, when he comes back, he has this wisdom. He has something. And they're trying to figure out what he has and how he got it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just astounds me that they, it says they took offense. Um, they took offense. And this word... Um, I'm not a very good speller, by the way. Do you know how to spell offense? Two Fs. Two, two Fs. Fs. Yeah. Um, S-E. 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 There you go. Uh, I did graduate high school, by the way. I know somebody, some people didn't. No, I won't mention any names, but, but I can't spell very well. So this, this, this word, this idea that offense, they took offense. How can you take offense? Well, they had this expectation of who Jesus was and what he ought to be. Mm-hmm. Um, who he was and what he ought to be. And I think we're all like that. We all have this certain ideas of who he was. But the places that I look at in Scripture where he shows up, mm. most of the time, he wasn't understood. Yeah. Even, even the people that walked closely with him didn't fully understand who he was. Um, and had to work through and had, had questions. So there's this idea of offense, right? So um, offense, it's, it's a, the definition, it's a trigger to a trap, right? So it, it's, it's a trigger to a trap. So think about that. If you pull the trigger, you're going you're gonna to trap yourself. So when we choose to take offense um, of something we disagree with or don't like, um, or don't believe for some reason, um, I think we're setting ourselves up. Um, and you see this in the story where they took offense, and ultimately by the end of the story, they wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. They wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it puts into effect a, a, a negative cause and effect relationship um, into place when we take offense. So um, I mentioned this the first service. So before you came in, you, you had a certain set of, of perceptions of what things ought to be, what things ought to look like um, when you came in, right? And the things that I'm even saying now, some of you are, are finding yourself agreeable to the things I'm saying, but my guess is you already agreed with that before you came in, right? So I'm just confirming what you already believe or you already agree with. And I would say that similarly on the other side, you know, you came in, you disagree with things. You're standing in a place, you're sitting in a place, and I might say something that you disagree with, um, but you get the idea that it's already, you're already, dis- so, so how do we get to this place to where we can actually truly see and understand? And it goes back to this idea of being open, mm. right? Being open. Um, so I'm going to try to diagram this. Some of you have probably seen this, know this. There's what we know. There's what we think we know. There's things that we know we don't know, right? And then there's things we don't know what we don't know. So one of the things that gets us in trouble, I think, is this right here. what we think we know. This is where I got into trouble. Um, 
Did that answer your question? Perfectly. Um, now, this to me, I, I can't tell you how helpful this was in my mind. I'll tell you why. Because we will say, we want to be open to the Holy Spirit. But I've already decided what things he can do and can't do that's a, that are going to bother me or offend me or not offend me. Same with Jesus. Jesus shows up. He's Jesus, but people are still offended by him. And when I think about one of the obstacles that keep us is I think that there are ways I'm more open than I really am, and there are things that I've already decided the Holy Spirit can do and cannot do, you know, and the same is true. John, when you walked down and you walked up here, some people were offended, some people were not. Yeah. And it's because we thought, like, well, no, 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 I'm open, just not to, and this is so huge for me because I'm not quite sure yet what the Spirit may start to deposit in us or call us to, and are we really in a position where we're saying, and if you show up in Nazareth and you call out some of the things I've held sacred, I'm, I'm going to be open. I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to sit in that space. Obviously, this book is going to be my guide. And even with that, I'm going to ask the Spirit to help me to understand this a little bit more. So this struck me, church, because I do. I realize that I say I'm open to things. And you and I even had a delicate political conversation where I mentioned, like, man, if I said a certain thing about a certain political figure here, it will be... I know what I know about you, and that is it, and we're done, and I'm offended. And the degree to which we do that with the Holy Spirit, we've decided in the morning, you may lead me in this way, but not this way. And I'm waiting for him to do something majestic when he's saying, just apologize to your wife. I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. I mean, I'm going to live the mission at work, but not, that's not, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm offended. So this to me, John, was really really striking. And I know we need to wrap, so I'm going to ask you, how have you attempted to cultivate that openness, which is not just to the Holy Spirit, because I think that's what we think, but yeah. just in, in general. So I'm going to ask you that, so I'm going to push back a little bit. I'll push back. Okay. So you just said we have to wrap up right now. Yes. And, and, and it's 12.05, mm. right? What if we went another hour? What do you guys, should we take, take a poll on that? John, if we went another hour, do you know how many people would be offended? And I think that's the hard right. thing, right? That is, that is really the hard thing, is what we choose to take offense of, what, mm -hmm. the expectations we have. So when, this is one of the things I've had to work through, is the expectations I have sitting in that seat, right? And I've sat in that seat for a long time, and unfortunately, sitting in that seat... Because of my silence, I went from, you know, not, not saying this, not pushing back, mm -hmm. right? Um, but silence to cynicism, right? To eventually mocking, right? Never fully engaging. Mm -hmm. What are we doing? Why are we doing mm -hmm. it? Uh, how are we doing it? Mm -hmm. um, and I know those conversations are, are really tough conversations yeah. to have, right? right? Um, what, like, for the longest time... Church has felt like Groundhog's Day, hmm. right? I mean, you know, that may offend some of you, yeah. and I'm sorry, but that's where I was at. Yeah. And I think, 
I think something needs to change. I think there's a hunger inside of us for something more, right? We've, we've created this Sunday morning to be the place, the thing, you know, um, rather than our homes. I'm telling you right now, the place, the thing is the home. I can't, this is one of the things that he's impressed on me so much. It goes back to this family. And I'm not even, I wouldn't even say I'm, that I'm very good at it. My wife will attest to that. Friday night, we, I came home, and we had a long, difficult conversation about partnership and about who's, who's supposed to be doing what and responsibility and trying to work, work this, this thing out, right? But the home is so important. Without the home, we don't have, we don't have everything else. So let me just kind of lay this out, right? So there's government, there's business where we work, right? There's education, there's uh, arts, media. Well, I should say arts and entertainment here. Media is a whole different story, right? Sorry, I realize we're going over. <laughs> Arts, entertainment, media, right? Um, religion, church, whatever you want to call this, right? Um, and then family. So this is kind of the sphere of influences, right? Um, like, if we don't get this part right, if we don't get this right, every single one of these other things falls apart. Falls apart. So the, the, the importance of me speaking up in my home and figuring that piece out is, is vital. It's vital. It's one of the first things, right? Um, you know, we just celebrated Memorial Day last weekend, and you think about all, you know, one of the things that's really cool is, is the veterans that came back, um, that are coming back to this country, have a much better experience than they did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, you know, we've, we've taken them in, like the company I work for is committed to hiring a certain amount of, of veterans, right, um, by like 2025. But we, we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a country to defend. We wouldn't have a military if we didn't have a fam first a family, right? Um, so I can't stress it, stress it enough. So when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or when we talk about the Holy Spirit moving, how is he, how is he, what is he doing in you, in your home, with your wife, with your kids? Um, yeah, I... This is one of the things that Amen. that has been impressed on me. So, Amen. Yeah. Um, by the way, um, this I get this when I sit down with John, which is so good for me. Why don't you do this? How come? And you know, I'm not going to get you talking about this. So, can you shut up his mic, please? But you know, John will ask. John will ask. You know, and it is. I mean, there is. One of the pieces is just even my own vulnerability, you know, which is what we're not going to talk about right now. But why? But no. 
All right. Can, I'm no, good. No, no, no. No. Oh. Two minutes. Okay. Two minutes. Two minutes. So I'm going to actually open it. Well, I, I, I don't know if I should do this or not. I, I don't. That's probably. The fact that you're not sure, John, is probably, it's probably, the, answer to that, it's probably the answer to that question. Where's Angie? Angie Metz. No, is she? No. I think maybe Sean have a question? No, he doesn't have a question. No, he does not. Okay. <laughs> what I love about the Lord is he is the God of the one lost sheep. The what? The one lost sheep. The one lost sheep. And I want you two to talk about, just for a couple minutes, and we need to eat some lunch, um, talk about what it personally meant for you, both, um, to have John. Sean asked what it personally meant for both of us to have John come up here and speak. Christ, you know, we're not into the bells and whistles and seeking the power. And stuff. I think God wants to prepare things. He wants to make things right. And, you know, for me, and I was both your friend, uh, the miracle for me was to see you two talking and being on stage. New territory. Um, two things. Number one, and I shared this with John when we sat. John and I have known each other for 20-some years. And some of those years have been incredibly tense. So I personally would not have seen the day when John and I would be standing and when God would be using him to push me personally and to share in front of God's people. Talk about going back and repairing what was broken and going back and mending what was wounded. Talk about restoration. To me, even the fact that we are sharing together is an evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. So, of course, Sean, you know. I mean, that means, you know... Man, a humbling, immense amount to me. Um, and I think there have been things that have been jammed up probably in me as a person and probably even in what the Lord is doing here on account of some of the ways our relationship has needed to be restored and is being restored in these incredible, incredible ways. So means means the world to me. Yeah, um, same. Yeah, same. Um, you know, it's hard to return to the places that that um, that are broken. Mm. It's hard to return to the places where your words tore somebody down. Mm. Um, yeah, it's hard to go back and dig up old wounds. Mm. Um, but. He's with you every step of the way. And he, he will take you to places if you allow him. If we don't take offense, if we open up and allow him to move us in the directions, the hard places, um, he will definitely do it. Um, for sure. Amen. Amen. Um.
Um, Lord, we, we just commit ourselves to you. Um, you know how much I hate the messy. You know how much um, optics are an idol for me. Thank you for the ways you're breaking those things. Thank you for the ways you're restoring things and in restoring relationships, restoring places in, in me. Thank you for what you are laying in the hearts of many of us in this room. Uh, not for the big spotlight stages, but what you're calling us to, Spirit of God, what you're inviting us to, how you wanted to shape us to be more like Jesus in our homes and in our workplaces and uh, the ways you're going to do unexpected things if we're open and willing to go into messy, unpredictable, scary places. Thank you. We commit ourselves to you even now. In Jesus' name, amen.